It's Wednesday night, and I'm going to talk to you about something that I don't think I've ever completely addressed. Uh, it is something called sola fide. Sola fide. This is a Latin word. Martin Luther instituted this and brought it into the church when he left the Roman Catholic Church. He was a Roman Catholic priest. Let me say something about those guys. I feel like Walter Chantry, who is a preacher up in Pennsylvania, he said they they broke the back of papal superstition. Papal means Roman Catholic. He said they broke the back of papal superstition, but they brought a lot of baggage with them. And I believe some of the baggage that Martin Luther brought, they were all Roman Catholic priests. That means John and Calvin. That means Martin Luther. That means Zwingli. Most of the reformers, you'll hear this phrase from reformers. And some of them will nearly fight you over this. Sola fide means faith alone. I'm sure we get the word solo from alone. They say we are saved by faith and that works has nothing to do with our salvation. I do not believe you're saved by works, but you're not saved without works being brought into your life and your life changing. Uh, Most of the Calvinists, you'll hear them use this word loosely, faith alone, sola fide. And I have tried to bring it out to you faith has faith has a definition faith has definition and the Bible says faith true faith works and we know that's true because the Bible says so I think saying sola fide, I think that kind of leads some people astray to think, well, I can be saved and I can get saved and I can believe Jesus and live the way I want to live. No, you can't. I I just, I I hate to hear uh, a reformer use sola fide because they're kind of spinning something that is just not the truth in the lives of the young believers in that movement. Look over here in Ephesians 2. Ephesians 2. And this is a verse that every Baptist, every conservative believer in America uses. 2.8. My father quoted this every time he stood in the pulpit. And he quoted Romans 2, 8 and 9. For by grace are you saved through faith. You're saved through faith. 
through is the word dia. It means it's like a channel. It's like a pipe or a pathway. It's like a way. And faith is like the pathway there, and that's the narrow way. The narrow way. Now, I want to address some things in this. Faith actually is defined in the Bible what it is. It has a definition. It has to grow. Faith has a definition. It works. It is required to grow or to increase. We'll hit those verses. We'll hit them. And this has to do with predestination. What are we predestined unto? The Bible says the people, the whoms he foreknew. Whom, whose, is the word, as a breathing sound. Sounds like an H. It's whose. It's masculine gender. Singular. Being masculine means it is a people. Each person that God knew, prognosco, prognosco comes from gnosco and pro. Pro is our prefix pre, and it means before. Gnosko comes from our word, gnosis. And gnosis means knowledge or the people God knew as his. He had a personal relationship with them beforehand, before they were born. There's a very interesting verse over in Matthew the seventh chapter. This will clear this up more than anything else. It'll make it clear. Look here. He says over here in Matthew seven. Matthew seven. In verse twenty one, not everyone that saith to me, Lord, Lord. To say that twice, kurios, kurios means to put a tenderness on it. Kurios is the word Lord, and it means to rule. If God rules you, you're going to obey Him. Many will say, Lord, Lord. Everyone that says, Lord, Lord, shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Kingdom of heaven was a term for Israel. Spiritual Israel is the church. But he that doeth the will is doing working. Well, yeah, it is. He that doeth the will of the Father. Isn't that working? Isn't that works? Doing the will of the Father. 
you cannot be born as a new creation and not do what God says. You have, but Jim, I don't feel like doing that all the time. Well, I don't either. But you will have it in your mind that you have to learn to obey God and crucify yourself and be obedient to His words. You can't believe in anything without being obedient to it. Then he says, Only those that obey me, if you have faith, it's, it is a unit. I've said this before. It's just like a car. Faith is like an automobile. But it has to have a motor. You can't just have a shell of a car a shell of a car. I'm not good at drawing cars. I'll just draw it like this. And not have something that runs the thing. You have to have a motor. The motor, according to the Bible, is agape. This car is worthless without agape. The car is faith. The Bible says over there in Galatians, the fifth chapter, verse 6, that faith works. Now those people that say works has nothing to do with faith, faith is a unit of some kind. It's a spiritual unit. And it has something that makes it work. When the Lord would say to the apostles, O ye of little faith, when they didn't understand what he was saying, he would call them, O ye of oligos. Well, I-G-O-S. That's puny pistis. Pistis is the word faith. Now let me remind you, before we go any further, that I've got all these things to say about faith. That faith works. It has to increase. The Bible says, if it increases, that's because when you had little faith... Jesus speaks of little faith several times. Well, particularly, I have something in mind over here in the 16th chapter of uh, Matthew. In the 16th chapter of Matthew, if you want to turn over there, I'm going to kind of put a lot of these things together. Faith works. The Bible says it works by love, Galatians 5 and 6. It works by agape. I'll have to define that again. You got two words for love, agape and phileo. Phileo means to have affection or to like. To like. I like God. I like my dog. I like my car. I like chocolate cake. You can like anything. That's not the word agape. The sad thing is most preachers translate them just alike. They say, well, you can interchange them. You cannot. 
Jesus said, you are my friends, Philos, if you do what I say. Affection is conditioned on whether you obey God or not, and that is agape, and agape is walking after the commandments of God. Is walking after God's commandments. Is that doing? Is that obedience? Is that works? Well, it sure is. You have to be born again with a working faith. Luther said when he come out of the Catholic Church, he didn't like the book of James. I imagine he changed. I hope he did. He said the book of James was an epistle of straw because it has too much about works in it. Man, Luther would... He was a brilliant mind and a great man. But Mr. Luther, when he come out of the Catholic Church and he called James an epistle of straw, that's crazy. All through the book, it's talking about you show me your faith without your works, I'll show you my faith by my works. That's kind of like saying to somebody, I got a new car, would you like to come see it? And they come over to your house and you, boy, it's real spick and span inside and out. And, and they say, well, let's try it for a spin. You say, well, it don't have a motor in it. Well, it's not a car. It's not faith without the motor of agape. It's not faith. And that's walking after God's commandments. Second John 6. How many times have I put that on the board? This is love. This is agape. That we walk after his commandments is that works is it well certainly it is if I said I went out there on the parking lot and I shoveled a bunch of gravel out there to cover the lot is that working well yeah it's working you can't do the commandments of God without working and that'll be the inner man that works for God. And the outer man will serve the law of the flesh for about 40 or 50 years. And God will beat you up so bad you wish you'd never been born. And then you'll realize it's a good thing you were born again. And then you'll start obeying Him. I can't believe that there's this much about works in the Bible. Jesus said in John six thirty nine. I came not to do mine own will. But I came to do is doing working. I came to do the will of him that sent me. You can't say uh, works has nothing to do with. It doesn't have anything to do with being saved. But it has to do with after God saves you. What he's going to cause you to do. In Philippians 2.13 For it is God that works in you to will and to do of His good pleasure. If He works in you, He don't just you're not just standing there and He's just working in you. you just, he's just working and you're not doing nothing. If He's working in you, He's causing you to go out and be obedient to Him. That's what it's talking about. All the Baptists, they love Ephesians 2.8. And they quote Ephesians 2.8. Well, we need to 
I'll read that after I read this about the Pharisees. Here in Matthew 16, it was the middle of the night, and Jesus tells the apostles to go to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. In verse 5, And when his disciples were come to the other side, they had forgotten to take bread. And Jesus said unto them, Take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. And they had just come to the knowledge of Christ. They were brand new apostles. They were dumber than a bunch of rocks. That's what the apostles are, maybe dumber than tractor seats or something like that. They were stupid, nearly. Well, they weren't stupid. They were just dumb. And so they reasoned among themselves and said, Is it because we didn't bring you bread? Jesus is not talking about bread when he's talking about the leaven of the Pharisees. Which when Jesus perceived, he said unto them, O ye of little faith, O ye of Olegospistus, I am not talking about literal bread and bewaring of the leaven, which is which is what we put in our rolls today and cause them to rise. And it was a picture and a type of sin in the ancient world. It was that, what do you call that you put in the rolls? Yeast. It was yeast. And that was a type of sin all through the Bible. O ye of little oligospistus, why reason ye among yourselves because ye have brought no bread? Do you not remember, neither remember the five loaves and five thousand, how many baskets you took up? You think I can't multiply bread and multiply it healthy? not talking about bread. Neither the seven loaves of the 4,000 there in the 8th chapter of Mark. And how many baskets you took up. How is it then that you do not understand that I spake it not to you concerning bread, that you should beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees? Then understand they how that he bade them not to beware of the leaven of the bread, but of the doctrine of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees, of the didache. Didache is instruction. I heard some stupid preacher on the radio today. He said, we don't need to be worried about doctrine. You listen to men's doctrine, knucklehead, that means instruction. That's a word that means instruction. You mean don't listen to anybody's instruction? And alive. Now, go back over to Ephesians 2 8. This is a verse that's just got everybody. It's all the Baptists I was raised around. They sounded like a bunch of parrots when they get to this verse. I mean. I heard this till I was, my father said it till he's blue in the face, and I heard it till I got sick and tired of hearing it. This is like having, the way he was meaning it was not the way it's written.
The Bible says here in Ephesians 2.8, For by grace are you saved through faith. By grace. It's like everybody ignores the word grace. C-H-A-R-I-S. It means unmerited favor. You didn't do anything to merit it. You had nothing to do with it in your life. Absolutely zero. You can't get into heaven on your own. You can't work to get in. You cannot perform anything to get in. You can't even accept Christ to get in. You cannot pray a sinner's prayer to get in. You don't have any hope unless God puts faith in your heart. That's the only way. Faith has a verb form to it. The verb form is believe. Now, a verb shows action, unless it's a being verb. If you believe, you do. Well, this really bothered me when I was a kid. I couldn't figure out how do you believe God. Has anybody had a problem with that? Do you? Did you just think all I could believe, all I need to believe, is a man that lived and his name was Jesus, and I go out and live my life the way I want to? If you believe in him, somewhere in your life you're going to start getting hungry for what he said. And you're going to start paying attention. And the sad thing is, I don't think hardly anybody in America's paying any attention to what he said when they call themselves evangelical, Bible-believing believers. I don't even believe most of those people. They don't think they have to obey God. They don't have to obey works, perform. They're all, of, they all mean the same thing to do. You can't just do what you want to do. Then, you're saved by grace. You didn't do anything to merit it. You can't do anything to get faith in your heart. You can't do anything to believe God because there's none that seeketh after God. You can do nothing to believe. And believe is doing what faith says. That's what it is. Faith is like, I've used this illustration. It's about as good an illustration I know of. Uh, it's like driving up to the Royal Gorge. It's a, it's a long bridge up in Colorado. And there's a, I don't know, 1,000, 2,000 foot drop straight down. And this bridge hangs there on these tinsel wires and it's something that you can't you don't drive up to the bridge and say I don't know if this bridge will hold me so I need to hire some engineers to come out here and measure the tensile strength in, of those cables and see if they've got enough tensile strength to hold me before I drive across the bridge Faith says, I believe the men who did this work. There's been people 
before that have driven across this thousands of people so you just drive across it you don't try to check it out and figure it out faith is just like going to a class if you're going to go take algebra and Mike's teaching up here at at Vol State and you're going to go take algebra from him you can't go in there and say well I have my opinions about algebra you nobody cares about your opinions you got to put your faith in the teacher that's teaching and believe they know what they're doing and pay your fees to go to that college you got to pay the various fees that are required and then you'll believe it when they tell it to you that's the way we have to believe Christ we read his book and we say Lord teach me to do your will and your work let's finish reading here in Romans 2.8 for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves it is the gift of God it it is a pronoun it refers back to faith it doesn't refer back to saved it refers to faith faith is the gift of God the word gift is not the common word gift it's the word Doran Doran was a word that was used by the priest for the people that would come to the altar and they would give their gift to God it would be a sacrifice that's actually what it means it doesn't mean it's a gift wrapped up in a present with ribbons around it it means it is a sacrifice of God that he puts into our hearts and that causes us to want to die daily as our faith grows and it grows slowly over the years if you want to arrive one day real quick well you can't nobody can arrive fast now I've heard this quoted and the Baptist preachers I was around they would say and that not of yourselves it is the gift of God not of work not of work see works has nothing to do with your salvation yes it does having the faith in your heart has nothing to do with you working to get it you can't get faith by works it's not of ergon that's a common word that means to toil you cannot walk down an aisle and get it you cannot accept Christ and get faith faith has to be in your heart because faith is belief right faith is belief 
And when the Bible says in Romans 10, 14, and that's at a reason of 10, 13, 10, 13 says, Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. But calling is not the method of salvation. Verse 14 says, How shall they call on him in whom they've not believed? And belief is the verb form of faith. How are you going to call on a God when none seeks after God? How can you going to call on him when you don't have faith in your heart and God's got to put it in your heart because you don't seek God? You don't conjure up faith in your heart by yourself. You can't do that. No one can do that. Faith is a gift that God puts in the hearts of his elect family. That's the only way. And I always want to read, let's read that verse 9. It's not of works. Your faith is not of works. That's a gift that God puts in the hearts of his family. And that's not something you get in your life by asking God to put it there. First of all, you'll never ask God and you'll never, you'll never confront God about faith when nobody seeks God lest any man should boast. If you could procure faith, then you could brag about it and say, I accepted Christ one time, and I called upon God. I've never heard my father or anyone else quote verse 10. Verse 10 clears up verse 8 and 9. It says, For we are his workmanship, this is saying that we are God's work. It's like God is using our arms and our legs and our mouths to do His work. People say, that makes us robots. Well, it makes God God is what it does. We are His poema, P-O-I-E-M-A. Poema... It's not the same word as ergon. Ergon just means to toil. Poema has the idea of doing something beautiful. You can't do anything beautiful with yourself because there's none good and none seeks after God. So we are his workmanship. Comes the word poeo, P-O-I-E-O. And that means to do something that looks like a mosaic. And you can't do a mosaic with your own life. It looks like a tapestry. Everything he puts us through, he's weaving us into being what he wants us to be on down the road down here when we get older. Everything that God has done in my life, good and bad, has been for my good. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called, according to his purpose. Now, we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Is that works? We're created unto agathos. A-G-A 
T-H-O-S, or God. You've got works of self-righteousness. You've got ritual that a man tries to perform to make himself look good. He'll perform works of self-righteousness. He'll go and be dipped in water and walk down an aisle and join the Sertomic Club or whatever he has to do. And that's not works of... Agathos is the word good. It means beneficial works. You can't say salvation has nothing working in it. We're saved by a working faith. Faith without works doesn't even have a definition. It's not faith. It has nothing to do... When, you, when God puts His truth in you, you want to share it with people, don't you? Don't you want to tell people about predestination, about Christmas being pagan? That's what you want to do after you've been doing it a while. So we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained. Before ordained is the word pro, E-T-O-I-M-A-Z-O. Proetoimazo comes from pro, meaning before. And hetoimaz, H-E-T-O-I-M-A-S means ordained. God has before ordained. That is not a choice of ours. That's not some choice we make. He's before ordained that we should walk in these good works. You cannot just live a life as a Christian and say, well, I've kept quiet about it. I'm not bothering anybody. I'll just won't ever let anybody know that I'm a Christian. If God is working in a man, you can't keep it to yourself. Not over a long period of time. You just can't. You can check yourself out and see if you're... Now, faith... Look over in James 2.20. James. I don't know. I just don't think Luther understood James. I think that's some of the baggage he brought with him. I believe some things in my 20s that I got I got over. I had to get over them because they didn't weren't weren't substantiated by the scriptures. Now look at James 2. James 2. Verse 20, But wilt thou know, vain man, that faith without works is a dead faith? You're not, you're not going to heaven with a dead faith. God's not going to let his people continue in a dead faith. He will put you in fire and trials until you learn to take a stand for him. I've had to do that. Now, when these guys say this, they say something that is... To me, 
is kind of heretical. They'll say, they'll say, faith alone. They'll say, we're justified by faith alone. Now, let me give you something here. I need to... They'll say, justified by faith alone. And you'll hear reformers say that. The word justified is the word D-I-K-A-I-O-O. And I don't even know if those guys, those reformers even know what justified means. Justified does not mean, let me say this loud and clear, does not mean saved. Know what it means. You're saved by faith, but you're justified. And they'll say you're justified by faith alone. Well, yeah, but the point is, what is faith and what does it do? When you get into faith, you got all of these points of faith. Faith has a definition. Faith works. Faith increases. And faith is little when it starts. And it has to grow. So it's got a definition. It works and it increases. You don't just arrive one day. Justified is the word D-I-K-A-I-O-O. And you'll hear a reformer say, Justified by faith alone, sola fide. Well, yeah. (laughs) But what is faith? Is faith baptism? Baptize comes from baptizo and bapto. Baptizo means to cover. Bapto means to stain with a dye. We don't believe in water baptism here. I know Jesus was washed in water. That was a proselyte baptism. Not going to go through all that. Was Jesus justified by a blood baptism. Well, let's look at a couple of these. Look over here. I'm going to kind of go through this. You'll hear these Calvinist reformers say, Soul of a day, faith alone, justified by faith alone. Justified, D-K-I-O, means to render innocent. The declaration or the rendering of innocence the Bible will tell you is by several things and they all have their they have their source in faith. You can't just say I don't know what a reformer will do when they're reading their Bible and uh, let me see here 
Look here in Romans 5. I'm going to give you a few of these. Have it, I've been meaning to do this for a long time. Haven't known exactly how to do it and work it in, perhaps till tonight. Look here. Romans 5. And look at verse verse 9. Much more than being now justified by his blood. Well, justified by his blood, what does that mean? By a blood baptism. That is death to self, isn't it? A blood baptism was death was a death. He's washed us from our sins in his own blood, so that's death to self. Is faith death to self? Yes. Hebrews 11 and 1. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Hypostasis. This is, this is faith's definition. Best definition of faith in the Bible. Hypostasis. I've said a thousand times it comes from hupo, meaning under, and stasis, meaning to stand. So it means to understand. Another word for under would be sub. Submarine is under the water. Substructure. A substructure is a foundation. So is faith the foundation that we build on? Yes. The foundation, how, the foundation is laid. That's faith. That gives us the definition. Foundation is faith. Now, remember a while ago I gave you Galatians 5, 6. Watch how this fits together. Faith works, worketh. The word worketh is the word energeo, E-N-E-R-G-E-O, it's our word energy, energy. Faith is energized. You have batteries that are called energizers, don't you? And they make your flashlight work. They make your portable whatever come on and work. Your clicker for the TV. You got to have the energizer in there, don't you? Got to have the energy. So faith works by the battery of love by the battery of walking in the commandments of God that's how faith works it works by agape it's energized by agape just like a battery so 
how does that how does that fall in line with building on the foundation? What does the Bible say that builds up the house of God? The Bible says charity edifieth. It says the same thing that Galatians 5 and 6 says. Faith or charity is the word agape. And edify is the word O-I-K-O-D-O-M-E-O. Oikodomeo. Oikodomeo, O-I-K-O-D-O-M-E, is the word building. The Bible says in the third chapter of 1 Corinthians, we are God's building. We are God's oikodome. Oikodomeo is the word edify. It is a construction of oikos and d-o-m-e. D-o-m-e looks like dome and that's what it is. It's our word roof. Now they didn't start it. They started and built the house. They said when they got to the roof, the house was finished. Agape builds up oikos Domain roof and oikos is the word house or family. So it is agape that makes faith work. It also builds up the house of God after the foundation of faith is laid. The foundation of faith is not enough. It has to grow. Has to grow. So, this is the definition. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. E-L-P. Isaiah is the word hoped. It means to depend on a promise. That's already been made. You can't come up with the promises yourself. God's already made the promises. You're going to have to take your cross and die daily. You're going to have to agonize over sin. You've got to humble yourself under the hand of God. And who do you humble to? T-A-P-E-I. N-O-O. That's the word humble. It means to level... Self. Well, if you level self, do you bow to the world? No. If you bow to God and humble to Him, is that obedience? Well, yeah. Is that obeying the work of God? Obedience. Obey. Faith. Does faith have to be obeyed? The Bible says that several times. You have to obey the faith. And faith is the substance of things hoped for. We depend on the promises of God when he says that I'll give you eternal life. We can believe that. And then he says it's the, it's the evidence of things not seen. 
Faith is the evidence. Evidence is the word E-L-E-G-C-H-O. It has another form of that word, E-L-E-G-C-H-O-S. Elagkos means, that is the, that's rebuke. That's another word for rebuke. And what rebukes the man that is guilty is the knife down there on the evidence table that's got his fingerprints on it or the gun that they took away from him when they arrested him. The evidence is the rebuke, what rebukes the man in the court of law and that is that's the same thing as what builds up the house of God. It destroys self. Now, we've got to get into some other things. That Faith increases. If you're saved by grace through faith, through is the tunnel that you have to go through. It's the narrow way that you're going through it's that conduit. Just like crawling in a conduit out here underground in front of the church and you're going through it and it's narrow and you're getting all kinds of opposition as you're going through it. And you're going through faith. And that's because God put you in there, put you in that conduit, that tunnel and that tunnel is dia through faith there's more to this than just do you believe in God I hear people on the radio would you like I heard a guy today say would you like to pray this prayer and accept Christ I thought boy you're sure making it easy to get in heaven when the Bible says we must see much tribulation enter to the kingdom of God God has to be changing his people all the time Look over here in Second Corinthians. Look here, Second Corinthians ten. We had a guy who used to come here and get mad if you talked about faith increasing. Said, "I got all the faith I needed when I first come to the knowledge of Christ." No, you didn't. You didn't get any. If you don't believe God's word about faith increasing, look here in Second Corinthians ten. Now, I don't know how you can deny that faith increases when you read this verse here. Paul is talking to the church at Corinth, and they've been upset with him. He says uh, in verse, well, let's look back here at verse 8. And though I should boast somewhat more of our authority, which the Lord hath given us for edification, building up the house of God. And not for your destruction, I should not be ashamed, that I may not seem as if I would terrify you by letters. He said, I'm not trying to scare you with my letters. For his letters say those people over at Corinth are weighty and powerful, that we don't know if we like them that much. But his bodily presence is weak, and his speech is contemptible. They look down at, at Paul. Let such an one think this, that 
such as we are in word by letters, when we are absent, such will we be also indeed when I get there to you. I'm going to be tough on you when I get there. Because the Corinthian church was an apostate church. For we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend their own selves. But they measuring themselves by themselves, comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. Don't compare yourself to yourself and to the people around you. But we will not boast of things outside of measure, but according to the measure of the rule, the canon of Scripture, which God hath distributed to us, a measure to reach ever even unto you. Now these people are having a hard time because Paul has jumped their case through first and second Corinthians. For we stretch not ourselves beyond our measure, as though we reached not unto you. For we are come as far to you also in preaching the gospel of Christ, not boasting of things without measure, that is, of other men's labors, but having hope. And when your faith is increased, oxano is the word increase, it means to increase, A-X-U-N-O. When your faith grows, you'll stop griping about me and complaining about my letters and saying I'm too hard. And then he says, When your faith is increased, that we shall be enlarged by you according to our rule. Now, the word enlarged, megaluno, M-E-G-A-L-U-N-O. Mega means large. You have mega bugs, you got lots of money. It means to extol. We'll be magnified by you only when your faith grows because you've had little faith. You were just so far from the truth all through 1 Corinthians and he had to correct them constantly. I've had people say, well, I wouldn't come to a church where they fought or you wouldn't go to Corinth. And you wouldn't go to Galatia. And you wouldn't go to Ephesus. And you wouldn't go to Philippi. And you wouldn't go to Colossia. They were all had problems. What do you think these letters are for? They're writing them, telling them to correct themselves and stop doing some of the things they're doing. They were fighting with each other. One guy was sleeping with his stepmother. They were doing every kind of crazy thing that Christians are not supposed to be doing at all these churches. So you're not going to go to, well, I'm not going to go to Grace Church Ministries. They fuss down there. No, I stopped the fusses. Just let me know. I'll say, you can't do that here. You'll have to go somewhere else. Now, look over here in Second Thessalonians 1. This is increasing faith. Second Thessalonians one and verse three. We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, 
as it is meet or necessary, because that your faith groweth exceedingly. That word exceedingly, groweth exceedingly, is hooper oxano. You've really grown a lot. Hooper means over and above oxano. You don't think your faith has to increase. You're in for a lot of fire and a lot of trials. You've got to bow to the increasing faith. You can't just have your way. Look in Second Peter. You don't believe in increasing faith. You don't believe in the work that God is doing in God in His people. I'm going to show you something else while we're over here. All right. Second Peter 1. I've given you this so many times. Peter says, Besides this, besides what I just told you, give all diligence, add to your faith. Increase your faith. You want to know how you get stronger as a believer? Read this over and over again. And then look up all the places where you got virtue and knowledge and temperance because these are the things that have to increase in your life when your faith grows. Is this doing increase or add, add, epi, C-H-O-R-E-G-E-L. This is not something God is inviting you to do. That's an imperative mood, which is a command in the Greek. So if Paul is writing this under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, it's the same thing as Jesus saying it, and he's the God that said, let there be light. And was there light? Well, yes. And when he gives us a command, you're going to be wrestling with these things. You're going to be wrestling with virtue. I gave you this Sunday, Sunday morning. Add to your understanding, to your foundation, to the motor in your car, your spiritual car, which is faith, and it works by agape. Add to your faith virtue, maturity, Grow up, but you can't grow up all of a sudden one day. That takes years. Now, you may want to, but you've got to add these other things. Knowledge, gnosis, temperance, and kratia. Self-control on inside. Self-control about what? About drinking? Well, yeah. About cussing? Yeah. About eating, yeah. About everything. Control yourself. Like Dave says about some people, they're out of control. you got to be in control of your... It doesn't mean be in control and that's easy. It means controls your appetites and that's something you have to overcome because you still want to do them. And then he says temperance, patience. If you add patience, you've got to add fire because the 
trying your faith is more precious than gold that perisheth, though it be tried by fire. Godliness, like God, Eusebia, having the character of God, brotherly kindness, fellow Sadelphos, affection towards your brother, but you can't be affectionate to him unless they're walking in the commandments of God. And to, and to brotherly kindness, agape. Agape is walking in God's commandments. Now, there's so much more to faith. I'm still talking about growing faith. The Bible has much to say about faith growing. Look here at Luke 17. How much time do I have, Mike? 33. What is it? 33. This is one of my favorite subjects, is faith growing. Now, look here in Luke 17. This will clarify some things about faith that most people don't know. Luke 17. And look here. We may read the first few verses of this. Look here in verse 3. Take heed to yourselves, if thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him, and only if he repent, forgive him. Gosh, everybody's running around wanting to forgive people. See people on TV, saw a little lady and somebody had killed her son, and she got on a witness stand and said, I want to forgive this evil mean man out here and he was just sitting there growling and he didn't want forgiveness she's not supposed to forgive him what do you do if you don't forgive him do you get mad at him and scream at him and yell at him and curse him no you don't do nothing if they refuse to repent that means God's not working in their heart you withdraw from them that's your response and when you withdraw from people who walk disorderly, you don't get mad at them. You leave them. Boy, this goes against everything that we believe in American society, doesn't it? Well, I want to get back at them. Just, it's not yours to get back at them. It's not up to you to have vengeance, write things out. God says, vengeance belongs to me. If I get, if anybody gets their just due, I'll do it. Ek decay. It is not man's nature to let men do him wrong and leave it alone. First of all, that should give us a signal to stay out of places where these people are that can give us a hard time. Do you have a hard time with that, staying away from people? Or do you always want to go back in where you can get in a fight? We're not supposed to be doing that. We're predestined to be conformed to the likeness of Jesus. All we need to do is study all these verses on his likeness. And you know how many they are? It's the whole New Testament. It's the whole Bible about his likeness. Christ's likeness was gentle and kind and meek. 
And boy, he hammered the Pharisees, but he didn't hammer the weak little people. He just said, oh, you have little faith. Your faith's got to grow. You've got to get strong. I fought people for years. I don't mean I fist fought them. I just argued with them and fought them verbally. And you know how much good I did fighting them verbally for 25 or 30 years? None. Zero. I never had somebody say, well, gosh, I see what you mean. I, I can get a hold of what you're talking about. It never happens for you young guys. Never once. I'll tell you what makes people upset is when you just look at them when they're jumping all over you. Just look at them going, hmm, yeah, okay, all right. Just look at them. Don't look at them with a real evil look. Just look at them. Like you're watching a TV. Like you're watching a show that was written by God and was cast by God, and all the actors are, well, that's exactly what you're looking at. You're looking at something that God was the producer, God was the director, and God was the casting agent, and he put everybody in your life the way they're doing so you can sit there and look at them. What are you, if you're living right, what does it have to do with you? Does everything do with you? Now, now, where were we? Luke 17, 3 and 4. Okay. Five. 3 and 4. It rebuke him, and only if he repent, forgive him. Don't go around passing around free forgiveness. People have to repent. And it's the goodness of God that will lead them to repentance. And he trespassed against these seven times in a day. And seven times in a day, turn again and say, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. And the apostles said unto him, unto the Lord, increase our faith. Lord, give us more faith. Now somebody said to me one time, that's because they didn't have any faith. No, you can't increase my bank account unless I've got a bank account. Unless you have some faith, they had little faith. They kept telling them they had little faith. If you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you might say unto this sycamine tree. A sycamine tree is a fruit tree. It's a form of a fig tree. You might say to this sycamine tree, the fig tree was a substance of life. He's saying, you might say to the substance of life, be thou plucked up by the root, and be thou planted in the sea, and it shall obey you. Isn't that amazing? Be planted in the sea. Babylon, when it came down, was always cast into the sea. The swine ran down the hill into the sea. In the 51st chapter of Jeremiah, uh, Babylon, the Lord told this young prophet, take this stone and the book of the law and go to Ephesus and in front of the people of Babylon, cast it into the sea or into the river Euphrates and, so say, and say to them, so shall Babylon sink. 
you go to the 18th chapter of Revelation and Babylon is cast into the sea now I want to show you what he's talking about in in uh, Luke 13 look at Luke 13 Luke 13 Luke 13 and verse 10 13 and 18, excuse me. 13 and 18. Then said he unto, What is the kingdom of God like? And whereunto shall I resemble it? It is like a grain of mustard seed. Still talking about the mustard seed. Which a man took and cast into a garden, and it grew and waxed, a great tree and the fowls of the air lodged in the branches of it. What does that have to do with faith? A mustard seed was the smallest of grains. It was like the size of a grain of pepper and it grew. This is what your faith has to be like. They would grow into a tree as high as 18 feet. When the mustard seed was a size of a grain of pepper, the birds loved it. This is what happens when your faith increases. The birds loved it. It was like a delicacy. They could devour it in one pack. They liked it. But when your faith grows, the bird will come and perch on a limb in your faith. And it will have no effect on you whatsoever. What would once have destroyed you? I was going through so many trials in the late 60s. I thought I was going to die. And now I look back at that, being in the music business at the time. I look back at it and I think, what was that, a drop of water out of a glass that had just spilled on the floor? Because that's how much it means to me now. And I thought, I can't get through this. I'm going to die. You ever been there? And it's when you get through it, it's nothing. Now look over here. And I'll kind of back that up. Look over here in Mark 4. This is talking about faith growing. Mark 4 and verse 30. This will clear a lot of this up. 4 and verse 30. And he said, Whereunto shall I liken the kingdom of God? Or with what comparison will I compare it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which when it is sown in the earth, is the least of all seeds, real small, grain of pepper, and less least of the seeds of the earth. And when it is sown... It groweth up and becometh greater than all the herbs of the field. That's what your faith will do when it grows. It's worth. 
The things that you think are going to destroy you when you're young, they don't. You'll make a lot of mistakes. And shooteth out great branches, so that the fowls of the air may lodge under the shadow of it, and they would have devoured you when your faith was small. So, by grace we're saved through all of this, through the faith growing. You don't have to stay the way you are. Look here in Matthew 17. So faith as a grain of mustard seed does not mean faith as small as a grain of mustard seed. It doesn't mean that. Look at Matthew 13 first. It means faith that grows like mustard seed grows. Becoming the largest of all the herbs, allowing the things that would once have destroyed you to perch in your branches and it won't even affect you and you won't even be tempted. Matthew 13, verse 31. Another parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in a field, which indeed is the least of all seeds. And when it is grown, the word grown is the word oxano, increased when it is grown the same word increase our faith same word when faith is increased you'll quit telling me I'm giving you a hard time and you'll extol me and lift me up when it is grown it becomes the greatest among herbs and becometh a tree so that the Birds of the air come and lodge in its branches and at one time they would have eaten you alive when you were young. Now look here in Matthew 17. I just want you to see the Bible has... Why do you think God repeated this over and over? It has to increase. Matthew 17 and verse 20. I'm going to have to read a little bit before this. In verse 14, When they were come to the multitude, there came to him a certain man, kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is lunatic. He is moonstruck. The word is selenizomai. S-E-L-E-N-I-A. S-E-L-E-N-I-A-Z-O-M-A-I. It comes from the word selene, S-E-L-E-N-E, which is the word moon. This man was saying, my son is moonstruck. Jesus didn't believe he's moonstruck. Just because somebody comes up to Jesus and says, my son's got a devil in him. Where did they come up with their information? Where did they study demonology? They didn't. And I brought him to thy disciples, and they could not cure him. That's because he wasn't moonstruck. Then Jesus didn't believe everything everybody said to him. You have to remember that. 
Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him hither to me. And Jesus rebuked the demonion self, the distributing fortunes one. And he departed out of him, and the child was cured from that hour. Jesus, to be blunt with it, saved the boy. Then came the disciples to Jesus apart and said, Why could we not cast him out? And Jesus said, Because of your unbelief. That word unbelief is A-P-I-S-T-I-S. Pistis is the word faith. The alpha primitive placed in front of that. Every time you find the word unbelief, it's this word apistis. No faith. Because you your faith hasn't grown. Your children, you got to realize, while Jesus was here with them, they started following him. And at the very most, they'd only been following him for three years when he died. They weren't experienced old old soul winners not what they were they weren't experienced old preachers you got to realize if John was one of his apostles John and John the beloved writes the book of Revelation in 96 AD and Jesus is walking around in the streets in 30 A.D. That's 66 years later that John's going to write the book of Revelation. John could not be an old man. John probably was 19 or 20 following Jesus. So were the other apostles. They were just young kids. They weren't experienced. They didn't know nothing. That's why he kept saying, oh, you have a little faith. So he said the same thing to them here. And he says, because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, and you say unto this mountain, a mountain was a capital city of an empire. You got two mountains in Scripture. You have Zion and Babylon, the mother of all idolatry. And the church is Mount Zion, heavenly Jerusalem, the church of the firstborn. So you got the battle between these two. Babylon was built on self or let us make us a name, and that's what they're practicing. Why couldn't we cast him out? It's because he wasn't real for the first first thing. And they were probably trying to cast out some demon because that was the, what their culture said. They were falling right in line with the people of the day. And Jesus said that wasn't his problem. If you'll say, remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. How be it, this kind goeth not out, but by prayer and fasting. Kind is the word genos. It means kinfolk. By prayer, by prosukomai, 
prayer in its uh, form of pros, meaning toward. This is prayer. Fasting, uh, N-U-K, A-U-C-H-E. So this is willing towards the will of God. That's what prayer means. And fasting. There was only one official fasting in Israel. You find that in Isaiah, the 58th chapter. Look over there. This is what makes self go out. Look at Isaiah 58. Isaiah 58. Do I have any time, Mike? Okay. Isaiah 58. Here's the true fast. Fasting won't make you spiritual. It'll make you lose weight. It'll be healthy for you. Mary and I go on fast from time to time. Not for any spiritual reason. That ain't going to help you. And he says here, let's read some of this. Cry aloud, spare not, lift up thy voice like a trumpet. Show my people their transgression and the house of Jacob their sins. Isaiah's preaching against Israel because they've gone after all of these sun and tree gods. Yet they seek me daily and delight to know my ways as a nation that did righteousness and forsook not the ordinance of their God. They ask of me the ordinance of justice. They take delight in approaching to God. Wherefore have you fasted, say they, and thou seest not? Wherefore have we afflicted our soul? The word is on knee. A-N-I-Y means to level or humble self. We think of fast as giving up food. This chapter says the fast is giving up self. The true fast is giving up feeding on your flesh and having all that you want. Wherefore have we fasted, say then, thou seest not. So when this kind goeth not out by prayer, prayer and fasting, you got to be giving up self. To help a man overcome self. And thou takest no knowledge. Behold, in the day of your fast, you find pleasure and exact your labors. Behold, the, you fast for strife. You fast for, the word is reeb, R-I-Y-B. You, fight, you fast to outdo each other, to fight and see who can fast the longest and the most. You fast for strife and debate. The word is quarrel. And to smite with the fist of wickedness, you shall not fast as you do this day to make your voice to be heard on high. Is it, is it such a fast that I have chosen? A day for a man to afflict the soul? That's the same thing on the Day of Atonement. In Luke the sixteenth, Leviticus the sixteenth chapter, to afflict the soul on me or on all, to level and humble self. 
he's telling you all through this chapter. Anybody wants to talk about the fast, take him to the 58th chapter of Isaiah. It is such a fast that I have chosen a, ma- a day for a man to afflict his soul. Is it to bow down his head as a bulrush or spread sackcloth and ashes under him? Will thou call this a fast and an acceptable day to the Lord? That was the day of atonement. Is not this the fast that I have chosen to loose the bands of wickedness, giving up self, to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free? This is the real fast. And that ye break every yoke, is it not to deal thy bread to the hungry, to visit the fathers and the widows in their affliction, that thou bring the poor that are cast out to thy house when thou seest the naked, that thou cover him, and that thou hide not thyself from thine flesh, then shall thy light break forth as the morning." And thine health shall bring forth speediness, and thy righteousness shall go before thee. This is what happens with the real fast. You learn to be happy living for others and not for yourself. The glory of the Lord shall be thy re-reward. The re-reward, well, it's like saying, bringing up the rear and the front. God will be at the rear and in the front. That's what re-reward means shall be thy re-reward. What verse was I in? And then shall thou call, and the Lord shall answer. Thou shalt cry, and he shall say, Here I am. If thou take away from the midst of thee the yoke, the putting forth of the finger, and the speaking vanity, give up self. That's the true fast. That's how this kind goeth not out, but by prayer, bound to the will of God, and fasting, giving up self. That's what the real fast is. I've got so much more on faith. Faith has to increase. Faith dies to self. Faith is rebuked. And faith works. Everything we've said, the scripture says have faith in God in Mark 11.22. And you can't just, you cannot give up self by saying, I'm going to give up self. You only give up self when God deals with your heart. There's other, when he said, if you'll say to this mountain, be thou removed, be thou cast in the sea. It reminds me, there in the 17th chapter of Matthew, it reminds me of Luke, not Luke. Mark the 11th chapter. Mark 11. You have to give up the mountain of self. That's what faith is. Faith is death to self. Faith is the substance. I've said this so many times. Substance means to understand if you understand your amathetase, your amathetase, faith is something that God is doing in you. That is the word disciple, and Jesus said, 
unless a man takes his cross daily and follows me, he cannot be my disciple and learn and understand and be having hypostasis and having faith. Faith is death to self on a daily cross. Faith doesn't, you don't, faith says something. Look over here in Romans 10. I'm going to go over here because I'll come back to that. I might come back to that next week. Romans 10. Now, Charismatics have taken this verse and just twisted it all to pieces. Romans 10. You've heard the charismatic movement talking about faith speaking on this wise. Let me see here. Look here. Now faith says something. Faith speaks. If faith speaks, that's God speaking through you about His Word of God. It's God working in you. In verse 6, he says of chapter 10 of Romans, And the righteousness which is of faith speaketh on this wise. And it say not in thine heart, Who shall ascend into heaven? That is, to bring Christ down from above. Or who shall descend in the deep? This comes out of Deuteronomy, the 30th chapter. Don't have time to go through it. That is to bring Christ again from the dead. What saith it? Referring back to faith speaking from verse 6. What saith it? The word is nigh thee even in thy mouth and in thy heart, because God put faith in our hearts. He wrote upon fleshy tables of our heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. So here's what faith says. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. That's what faith says. But confessing is doing. Remember confess? Homologeo. means to agree with. If you agree with God, you're going to do what He says do. Isn't doing working? We started off with works. Doing, and people will call me, you're a legalist. You bet your life I'm a legalist. Can, can you just live without keeping the law of God? No one can. That's a believer. There's a verse that goes with this in Titus 1.16. It says, Some men profess that they know God. We started off with works, didn't we? Some men professed. That word profess is the same word, homologeo. They profess that they know God, but in works, they deny Him contradict 
if what you do is not what God said to do, is that works, then what you are, you're antichrist. He that denieth Christ is antichrist. You say, Jim, that puts me under the gun of God. It sure does. If you don't do what you confess, First John 2.22, he that denieth Christ is antichrist. You confess Christ not just by what you say, but by what you do. The works you do justify you and declare your innocence. Dikayao. Renders innocent. I didn't go through all those verses on rendering innocent, but I'm going to go through those next week. I'm out of time. Let's pray. Father, thank you for truth. Help us to understand we have an obligation to you But, Lord, you will do that in each one of us. We all won't work the same, but we will will produce you working in us to willing to do of your good pleasure. Forgive us where we fail you. Cause this inner man of ours to take over our lives that we might do the things that you would have us to do. And that is works. It's not salvation by works. It's salvation that works. And that's proof of who we are in you. We pray all this in Christ's name for his sake. Amen. Amen. Well, salvation that works. I hope we can get a hold of this. A lot of stuff, isn't it? Well, it's like you're going to a seminary when you come in here. Because you're getting Bible lessons that you need to know. That nobody else is teaching. The predestinationists don't teach works of any kind. created in Christ Jesus unto good works.